And now for something completely different. Here's what's coming up this hour on today's experience. Expository Thursday as we work together to know the letter better. First into the narrative of the book of Acts we travel to understand the things the Lord requires of us to learn to apply God's timeless truths in our lives. People want to know, what's your special sauce? Ah, It's really funny how this perfectly builds on our last segment. How do authentic Christians go through trial after trial but still maintain a faith that is alive? We always need to be ready to answer those who do ask that. The answer is we do everything we see and everything we know and everything we encounter through the name of Jesus. That is our power. Next, with uh, the incredible wackadoodles that are influencing society today, no good deed goes unpunished. The woke culture, which is also a joke culture, wants to trench through everyone's past whom they don't like and then try to bring them down. This, of course, is the opposite of the teachings of Jesus, which tells us the true origin of that philosophy. It may be politically incorrect when people say things, but it's still highly accurate, so people don't like it. And finally, the most amazing engagement takes place when you're a child of God. You may be a fisherman, you may be a common laborer, or you may be trying to find your place. Still, as a child of God, you have the ruler of the universe on your side. Two fishermen stood firm against all the religious academics of the day, and with God and in God, they won. David Spoon's life has been an experience. While growing up in a Jewish family, he made a wrong turn towards drug abuse. Then David Spoon found Jesus Christ, and his life completely changed. The more he studied the gospel, the more he wanted to share his experiences with others. After 35 years of ministry, David discovered a new path of service. He joined KAAM, and this radio program began. You're about to hear the David Spoon Experience. Welcome to the David Spoon Experience, local, national, and heavenly talk. Here's what else we're looking at during the show. Lessons for surviving, living, and prevailing. Politics, entertainment, and current events. Personal revelations. Spiritual observations. My life's insanities and oeve. So much more. Hey, we're asking you, what do you think? Now, you can email us, david at hemustincrease.org. That's david at hemustincrease.org. You can text us, 214-210-8483. That's 214-210-8483. Or you can call us at 972-445-0770. And when you make that call, 972-445-0770, you talk to Captain Chris, and you know you're sailing in the right direction. See, because he's a captain, and then you're on the boat, and then he's directing it in the right direction. I just thought I'd explain that so that everybody knew what was going on. Here is the bottom line. Maybe you have an opinion, a comment, a thought, a question. Maybe you have something uh, inside you that you're just thinking, I need to share this with people, something that's going on, the Lord's working in my life, or you want to share a praise report, or you have a prayer request. Maybe you want to try and answer some Bible trivia. Okay, well, let's ask you this Bible trivia question. Which book did Jesus, as a human, directly write in the Bible? 
we will play our horn right now because that's a sneaky question. That's right. I'm laying it out there, giving you that chance. People are thinking, wait a second, what? That's right. Just got to answer it, get you going right off the bat. Keep in mind, folks, not professional radio. It's just radio. How do you know that? You're listening. That just tells you everything you got to know right there. Uh, it's pretty much, uh, you know, we're open to stuff. We just want to make sure that it is encouraging in its nature. Does that mean that you should not listen to the other shows that, that are more politically oriented? No, I think you should listen to all of them. I don't think you should get so caught up in them that you miss the kingdom. That's kind of a bad idea. But in our show, we have a a specific gear, a specific direction we go to, and that's doing our best to help people draw close to the Lord and to one another as the day approaches. Okay, Now, the show is basically a cross between Steve Martin, Sean Hannity, and Focus on the Family. We have that slant, but there should probably be a little bit more in there, like maybe planters— peanuts because it's nutty sometimes that might be a good way to say that all right now the question i want to make sure you understand the question because i want to make sure people don't misunderstand i'm asking which book did jesus directly write as a human and there was the horn that was blown okay you see what i'm saying we blew the horn telling you ooh, sneaky question sneaky question right okay asking which one jesus wrote personally wrote I'm, I'm i'm not getting this message i think communicated well what when did see jesus sit down with a pen and write how about that uh do we have somebody who wants to try and answer uh, here we go. this is david who am i talking to hi uh, david this yeah, i'm sorry is this al hello brother ace uh, brother ace hey brother what's going on my brother I'm just uh, I'm just hanging on and hanging in and hanging on. <laughs> <laughs> hanging on, hanging in and hanging on. Got it. I mean that's a pretty good way to say it. All right. I like it. All right. Are you on the road? Yeah, I'm apologizing. Okay. All right, you got it. All right, now which book as a human did Jesus take his flint pencil and sit down and write? Well, I mean, my first instinct was revelation, but uh, uh, that's obviously not the answer. <laughs> that's right. That's right. He did dictate on some of that, but which – now, now, remember, it's a trick question. So well, that, that's how I – so which one did he write personally as a human? How about uh, the, the message on the Mount? Um, the Sermon on the on- Mount? Okay, but did he write it, or did Matthew and Luke write it? Well, they they, they wrote it. All right. Uh, I, I guess I don't have the answer. Sorry. That, no, wait. The, the answer is no answer. That would be the right answer because the answer is none. He didn't write any as a human. <laughs> he didn't write any as a human being. He didn't write anything. As God and as divinity, he wrote all of it. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. But as a person, he didn't write it. That's a way to, to show how foolish a man can be out here. <laughs> but that's a good one. Uh, you do many things, brother, but Clueless is not one of them. You are a great brother in the Lord, and we love you. I appreciate you, guys. Thank you very much. All right. Take- All right. God bless you. Goodbye. All right. 
See, that was a sneaky question. People are like going, wait, wait. No, I just, I think I said it like pretty clearly. I mean, which one did Jesus take a flint pencil to sit down and write? I'm pretty sure that was clear. That's not my fault. I'm not taking the blame. <laughs> okay, I'll take the blame later. All right, uh, let's get into the tell. We have our uh, expository teaching, so we got to do that. Let's do our expository teaching. Sound. Wow! Wow! <laughs> wow! All I can say is wow! Wow! <laughs> wow! Wow! All I can say is wow! And this is Acts chapter 4, verse 5. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Anas, Anas, the high priest Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together in Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? This is a classic moment, folks. They want to know how, how, how is that possible? How is that possible that this happened? How is that possible that this guy who'd never walked before, now he's walking? What, what, how, what happened? And people want to know when things happen, how'd that happen? That's not even a bizarre question. It's really kind of a normal question. How'd that come about? What, what took place? What happened? Let me explain to you how we need to be thinking of that process. I was headed for destruction, but then I saw a light and everything changed. How did that happen, Dave? Let me tell you about Jesus. Get it? In other words, the question of how needs to be ready on our lips with an answer that what has happened to us and how we've gotten through it and how we've prevailed and how we didn't give up and how we didn't quit and how we didn't run away and how we didn't just, you know, you know, give up the ghost, so to speak, in the most uh, brilliant sense. How does that take place? It takes place because in our lives, it has been the name of Jesus that has sustained us. And every one of us who's a Bible-believing, born-again Christian needs to be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks at any time. That is what the Scripture commands. And so these guys are like, how'd this happen? You're going to see. They go, ah, Jesus did this. I mean, they're just ready, right? And we'll get into the, the, the confrontation. But what I want you to understand, what I want to understand, what I want to operate in, and I want you to operate in it with me, is that we need to be ready to give an answer any and every time as to what is it that sustains us? What is it that gives us the ability to go through yet another trial? What is it that enables us to say thank you when the clouds are over our head pouring rain and the car doesn't start and there's a leak and the bill can't be paid and you're not getting the kids to respond the way you want to, but your attitude is right and your spirit is right and people want to know what makes you say that it's all okay and it's all going to work together. And the answer is the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's what makes it okay. That's what makes my life good. That's what we have to be ready to do. All right, we're going to take a break and then come back. You're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. Can't stand the skill, can't stand the shame. It may be false, but it feels the same. So Moving is hard. It's a moment that everyone dreads. But wait, there's an answer. Jesus can help. And for the moving parts, men of God moving is there for you. 
Men of God Moving is a full-service Christian moving company that is locally owned and operated, serving the entire Dallas and Fort Worth area. Men of God Moving helps with homes, apartments, offices, long and short distance relocations, and so much more. They offer packing and unpacking services, loading and unloading, assembling and disassembling, plus many other helpful services. Tell them you heard it on the David Spoon Experience and receive a substantial discount. Substantial means a whole bunch. Call them at 817-707-7672 or go to their website, menofgodmoving.com. That's menofgodmoving.com. And check them out on Facebook. The Lord's Word says, Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. Ephesians 6, 7. Allow men of God moving the privilege of serving you. And listen to Johnny Hill, the owner, often on the David Spoon Experience. To hear his testimony, reach out to men of God moving. Johnny's testimony will move you. God bless. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Do you know how you keep going? Do you know how you keep putting one foot in front of the other? Do you know how you don't give up? Do you know how you don't quit even though you want to quit? You fix your eyes on Jesus. You see with God. When Peter went out of that boat and stepped on that water, there is no natural principle in the world, in, in, in any normal universe, that would allow Peter to walk on water. But he did one thing well. He looked at Jesus. And as he was looking at Jesus, the Bible says he walked on the water. He looked at his situation just focusing at Jesus. Then he took his eyes off of Jesus, and he saw the winds and the waves, and he sank. He lost the correct attitude when he stopped seeing with Jesus in the picture. Whatever you see, whatever you face, whatever you encounter, do not see it or face it in the natural. For we walk by faith and not by sight. So everything you see, you must insert the picture of Jesus. The David Spoon Experience. Sometimes Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Okay, so that, that last trivia question, that was sneaky. That was a sneaky one, right? All right, so we, we're going to give ace props on that one because that was kind of tricky. That was our fault. All right. Yeah, anyway, this will be a little easier. Okay, switching them up. See, normally we do the second one as the goofy one. The first one's usually easier. Yeah, you, you don't know. You don't know how it's going to count. There we go. What is the longest book in the Bible? 
Don't overthink this. What is the longest book in the Bible? We've done this one before. Just keeping it as a refresher. If you think you know the answer, 972-445-0770. You can also text in 214-210-8483. And then you can send an email, david at hemustincrease.org. If you think you know the answer, what is the longest book in the Bible? But I got a little fiery on that last little part, huh? It was kind of like... Okay. Wasn't there a, didn't Tim Allen have a show like that? Like the, oh yeah, that was it, right? Okay. Uh, okay, I have a joke, so you guys have to listen to it because I have it right here. <laughs> I didn't say it was good. I just said I had one. Uh, here you go. A Sunday school teacher was asking her students some questions about a series of lessons on God's omnipotence. Okay? means all-powerful. Omnipotence. Okay. Omni, all, potence, potence, power. She asked, Is there anything God can't do? All were silent. And then finally, one boy held up his hand. The teacher, on seeing this, was disappointed that he had missed the point of the lesson. She sighed and asked, Well, what is it you think God can't do? And the boy replied, He can't please everybody. Hey, that's a great sound. <laughs> I like it. That's really good. Great job, Chris. All right. Uh, okay, so there it is. What's the longest book in the Bible? Don't have to overthink it. Just keeping it simple. Just like, okay, what do you think the longest book would be out of the 66 books? You'd like, oh, okay, then it's this one. Then just let me know. Again, you can uh, call in 972-445-0770, text in 214-210-8483, or send an email, david at hemusincrease.org. Let's go back to the text because we do do that, right? That's part of what we – well, we should be doing that if we're not. Uh, I want to go back to this. I want to kind of wind it through. So I want to, like, uh, do a backup to the ramping and then go to this next section, which is uh, pretty pretty important. And it came to pass, okay, it came to pass on the next day. This is uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 5. The, the rulers, elders, and the scribes got together, and as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set, when they had set them in the midst, they said, By what power, by what name have you done this? We just talked about that. Verse 8, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged by, uh, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means has he been made well, then let it be known to all of you. Now, I want to stop right there because it just is one of those things that when you read scripture, uh, some people read for speed. Because they think, well, if I read a bunch of the Word of God, you know, it will it will uh, effectively help me. And I don't I don't always disagree that there is a time in your life that to read for speed is not the worst thing to really get a whole bunch of the Word in you. I'm not uh, a, a legalist in in regards to how you do your devotions. I'm really really wide open. But there's also methods where you read slowly, and I I happen to treasure that because if it moves slower, I can get it. <laughs> For me, I've read it. Uh, I've read the Old Testament probably about 40 times, the New Testament probably about 160 times, if not more. And the idea behind it is every time I read something, I, I, it's amazing how something new always pops up. To me, that's just the depth of the word. 
And this is one of those moments where I'm going through, and the thing that I catch is Peter in verse 9 saying, If we this day are judged for a good deed. Now, the problem that everybody was having was that somebody was healed. So I want you to think about that for a moment. Why is that a problem? Why is that an issue? So what happens now in our culture is people are absolutely flipping out about emails that were sent five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And they want to use that not to go after everybody, just to go after people they don't like. Okay, And the idea behind that, that's a completely contrary to the teachings of Jesus Christ who by the way teaches that you know when you confess your sins you know you're 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 the Lord cleanses you when the woman was caught in the act of adultery you know she she was sorrowful before Jesus Jesus says go and sin no more it's over it's done moving on Okay, don't do it again, but we're done. Move on. And what they want to do is say, no, no, bring back the sins from the past. And that's the very thing that God does not do to you and I. He does not bring back our sins from the past. So you already know the philosophy behind the woke culture is satanic. And if you don't think it's satanic, you're nuts. Okay, and you've never read the Bible or you don't know God at all because the bottom line is the woke culture and the politically correct culture and all that stuff, it's rubbish. It's humanity trying to establish their own righteousness apart from God and apart from Jesus Christ. And that's the problem. They're trying to do things apart from God just like Adam and Eve thought when, this, when Satan said, well, you know, if you eat this— you can't be like kind of like God, you know, right? That's kind of cool. And they were like, hey, yeah. And for those that are thinking Eve did it and Adam had nothing to do with it, it wasn't like she had to go far. <laughs> if you read it, it's about three words away. So the idea behind it is they were close enough, and it was close enough. And then there's a whole teaching about that. It was Adam's fault because Eve ate it, and it was like, that's just dumb stuff. You don't pay attention to weird people to do weird stuff like that. Here's what it says. It's, it talks about the fact that mankind has been trying to establish a self-righteousness from the garden because satanic teaching was involved. Well, here's the answer. If it's a good deed, it's a good deed. Leave it alone. What What are you trying to What? Jesus made that very argument, just so you can know, when he healed somebody on the Sabbath. And what were they mad about? Well, you broke the law of the Sabbath. Don't you know you can't make people better on the Sabbath? Like, what is wrong with you people? What? What happened? Did your brains fall out of your head? And so his argument is how can it be bad to do something good? And this is what the, exactly what Peter and John are going through. They're, they're just like, uh, okay, so uh, you're going to ask us these questions because something good happened, right? This is your problem. <laughs> See, what we miss is the culture or the spirit behind that, and it's a bad spirit. It's a demonic spirit. It's a satanic spirit that sits there and tries to uh, establish self-righteousness and that tries to degrade great things that God has done. Pretty close, actually, to blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. It's not blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, but it's getting closer and closer and closer. The idea behind all of this is to understand that God, when he does things in people's lives, does not check with all the, all the rules and the playbooks that have been established by humanity and by the nations and by the people. He just does his thing. And his kingdom is proclaimed and it is advanced. 
and people don't have to like it, that's too bad. And I will say this, and I'm going to be really careful here, but I'm going to say, if God has healed anybody from COVID, fantastic. Why should that be a problem? And she, I mean, isn't that, wouldn't that be great? We're praying for people who've got COVID to be better. Wouldn't we believe that God can do that? And if he did that, what's wrong with that? Does that mean that people should uh, not try and, and, and do things necessary they believe is correct to, to do better or be better? No, I'm not saying that. But if God did it, why is it a problem? That's the question. Do you see that right there? It's like, aha! Oh, well, God doesn't do stuff like that. God's been doing stuff like that from the beginning. He's been delivering and healing and helping from the beginning. You got a situation that's beyond you, pray. Ask God to help you. He'll bring the good out of it. It doesn't have to be good stand, as, as established by humanity. It's good as established by God's definition. See, there's a way which seems right unto man, but the end thereof is the way of death. That's what the Scripture says. There's a way which seems right unto man. But the end thereof is the way of death. God's methods, God's system, God's system of healing and touching and being good, that's the only one that's worthy to die on the hill for, so to speak. And so in this situation, they're about to answer, and they're going to fight, and I want you to be aware that they're calling out before it happens the very thing they saw Jesus do. They said, okay, so let it just be known before we get into this that you guys are upset that this guy's doing good, right? That's the problem. And that, by the way, is a problem that some Christians have. <laughs> what? I can't believe you. Did you just turn that against Christians? Yes. Because some Christians get mad that other Christians are doing good about something or in some realm that they're not doing good in. Here's a great idea. If you have a brother or sister in your real life and they're doing well, praise the Lord. Don't be jealous of them. Don't be like, mom and dad like them better. I mean, just cut that out. I mean, be mature about it. But if you have a brother or sister in Christ and something great is happening for them, praise the Lord. That's kingdom advancement. And you want that for everybody you know. That's really important. All right, going back to it, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, Rulers and people of elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. When we come back from our break, we're going to dive right into that. Uh, trivia. Trivia is Psalms is the answer for the longest book. Sorry, folks, on that one. You're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. This KAAM radio show with your very own David Spoon is not a business, but a nonprofit ministry. This KAAM radio show with your very own David Spoon is not a business, but a nonprofit ministry first and foremost committed to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and strategically equipping the saints. Our mission is to educate, encourage, and entertain Christian believers, the hurting, and those not yet believers who need biblical truths. 
To continue our radio ministry and message of truth, we need many of our faithful listeners to support us, as well as ministry partners who might wish to sponsor the He Must Increase ministry. By giving, you wonderfully facilitate our priorities of assertively teaching the Word of God, and you get nothing in return. No quid pro quo. Nothing but a receipt at the end of the year indicating you gave to us since your donation is 100% tax-deductible. Remember that it says in Corinthians that whoever sows generously will also reap generously, or in Proverbs where it teaches that a generous person will prosper, whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. But if you cannot give, no problem. Continue to enjoy and learn and give however you see fit whenever you can. To support us, go to hemustincrease.org. That's hemustincrease.org. Such support is terribly appreciated, knowing it enables our beloved David Spoon to give to all of us his time, energy, like so few can. Right here on KAAM. Where uh, T and I have just been talking off air, <clears throat> trying to figure out how bizarre things can get real, how bizarre could it really get? I mean, it's going to get so weird. They're going to say stuff and people are just going to go, huh? <laughs> a woman to a, that. A woman to that. <laughs> That's going on the clip. I'm going to find that, repeat that, and put that on there. That's too funny. (laughs) A woman to that. (laughs) A woman to that. It's incredible, and it's never been done before. And you can be the first person in your neighborhood to win. What is it? It's a contest. How do I play? It's simple, and there's three ways to win. You can go to Facebook, type in David Spoon Media. And on any Facebook post, type in the word Jesus in the comment section. And it's free. You can also send an email to davidspoonmedia at gmail.com and write the word Jesus in the subject line. Or you can go to YouTube and give a comment on any video. But you have to use the word Jesus. This is your chance to win, and it's free. What do I win? You can win 100 thank yous right on air. It's incredible. It's unbelievable. But... It's only for a limited time. Enter now. Here's a taste. Thank you for listening to the David Spoon Experience. Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the Truth Station, also known as KAAM, the Truth Station here in Texas. Get ready for our next trivia question. Get ready for the next one. Really good on that last one on the Psalms. A lot of people who texted in did really, 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 really good. So big big shout out to your people. Uh, most of the time I send uh, texts through the show. We're getting so many now that I have to do them like intermittently whenever I can. So if they don't come right away, don't be too surprised. Okay, true or false? Ooh. So here you get another 50-50. Uh, King David wrote the book of Psalms. Let me rephrase that. True or false? King David wrote the entire book of Psalms. True or false? If you think you know the answer, then you can call in uh, that would be 972-445-0770. You can also text in 214-210-8483, or you can send an email, david, at hemustincrease.org, which does lead me to the website. We are two weeks away from having to pay the bill, 
And whenever I get two weeks away, I look at it and go, oy vey. So check out hemustincrease.org. Website, hemustincrease.org, hemustincrease.org. Email david at hemustincrease.org. Facebook, hemustincreaseministry. YouTube, hemustincreaseministry. Okie dokie artichokey. All right, we do have somebody on the line getting ready to answer that question. Boy, we are fast today. I still have uh, history, which we can pull back to the next section if we need to. All right, we ready? All right, ring through, ring through. Ring through. Okay, this is David. Who am I talking to? Uh, sir, that's the Will Rogers. Hey, sir, how are you? I'm great. I hope you're better. I'm I'm doing so much better than I was two weeks ago. Uh, literally two weeks ago from now, as the surgery was like two weeks ago from like now. <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> so I'm doing a lot better than I used to be. That's for sure. Absolutely. All right, my good brother. Here you go. Classic question. Little sneaky, but not too much. True or false? David wrote the entire book of Psalms. False. He did not write the entire book. You are correct. I did write the majority of the book, but there's also some other psalms, aren't there? There's other writers in those psalms. Right. There's Moses and Solomon and Asaph and Korah, and there's a, a bunch of them. So is that something you knew right away and just like, oh, no, that that's wrong. I'm going to just nail that Absolutely, down. because I'm thinking of Moses and Korah and Solomon, just like you say. Yep. See, there you go. And it's not that he, it's not attributed to him, and it is attributed to David. He did write the majority of them. There's no questions. But there are certain psalms that are, uh, uh, there's two that are mosaic, and then there is Korah wrote a bunch, and Asaph wrote, uh, the sons of Asaph wrote a bunch of them as well. And so it's, it's a cool combination. What's amazing is how similar, if you think about this just for a split second, how similar the entire style is. The, the stylistic element, the linguistic element is between all of the writers, it seems like it's all just one thread. So it's well, like, there's a reason. Exactly. Why is that, it that it's one thread? because it came from one source. There you go. This is you're so good. I would send you a cherry pie, but I don't know how. But that was good. That was perfect because it's one source. It's actually from the author of the Lord. Absolutely excellent. Great job. Great job. Well, you have a blessed day, sir. Thank you. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's just so good. I mean, how is that not good? That's good. Okay. Isn't that good? That's good. Okay. I want to go into this because I've got to do some sharing. This is going to be – this could get personal, okay, which is, you know, it has its moments. I want you to follow along, and I don't know if you notice or not, but every once in a while I get a little fiery. I get a little more – uptick than maybe some other times. There's no medicine involved for those that are like, is he on medicine? I haven't been on my medicine in three days, which, by the way, when I talk to the doctor tomorrow, I might get in trouble for. But that's that's separate. I want you to catch what this moment is and why it's important uh, for somebody like myself, as well as for you, to understand that God uses willing vessels the vessel doesn't have to be perfect brilliant smart this that whatever it certainly doesn't have to be sinless otherwise besides jesus everybody else that's ever been used from god would be disqualified and there's a lot there right so and god has used you in the past he'll use you in the future but listen to this moment what i want you to get is that peter and john are in this moment because of 
operating in the power of God, and the leaders, the religious leaders, are in this confrontational moment, and they're upset because they did something good, which is kind of—what's the word we're looking for? Weird. Now, we'll do history in the next sentence. Don't worry about that. But uh, what I want you to catch is this confrontation. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and peoples and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man by what means he has made, uh, he has been made well, let it be known to you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified— whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. Couple things you got, you have to catch out of this. First of all, Peter got the gospel in in one sentence. <laughs> this, is a, this is why people, they, what they do is they say, well, you've got to go this way and you got to do this, you got to do this. Yeah, well, Peter did it in one sentence. Ready? He said, "Who Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. Bing! <laughs> it's like there is the gospel. And so he put it in one line, and everybody wants to make it all complex. He goes, you know what? Here's the gospel. God raised this. God raised Jesus from the dead. That's the gospel. It's like, uh-oh. Because first of all, you have to understand, the resurrection from the dead destroys everything. Every other argument ever made ever about anything anywhere ever, period. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, we're all built with this knowledge that we're going to cease at some point. And then Jesus comes along and says, Aha! Aha! And the scripture says in, in Timothy that Jesus brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And that means that the light bulb goes off that we can live forever through Jesus Christ. And Jesus broke all the rules of existent humanity by raising from the dead not to die again. And that's the ticket. See, there was a resurrection in the Old Testament, more than one. And, that, and the resurrection in the Old Testament fascinating, but they all died again and again. Jesus rose and didn't die a second time. That's the rule breaker. And Peter, in his confrontation in this moment, he brings that up. Whom Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. Aha! And so there's like, that's what, and see, remember, they asked the question. Right? They might not like the answer, but they ask the question. But that's not even the part I want you to get. What I want you to get, and really verse 12 is really the biggest part of this, but we'll just stay here for a moment. This is the height of academia. This is the Sadducees and the religious leaders, the academics of the day. And they were having a confrontation with two fishermen, guys that know a lot about how to stick a line in the water, put the nets out in the water, get fish, and feed people. So it's the academics against the common laborer. It's the intellectual people against the average Joe. And the setup could not be clearer. There is nothing the academics could have done to help that guy who was begging at the entrance to the gate because that guy had never walked and they had no power to speak of. And these common fishermen who had spent time with Jesus 
had the solution, and the answer was through Jesus Christ, the advancement of the kingdom of God. And all of the wisdom of the world and all of the academics and all of the understanding and all of the Harvard and Yale people that you could ever imagine, they are so intellectual, so many of them, they cannot possibly understand the foolishness of the gospel because the gospel is foolishness to them that perish. That's why. And that's why Jesus prayed the prayer and said, Father, thank you for revealing this not to the wise. You see, the irony behind it all is not being brilliant makes you brilliant (laughs) because then you get it or you can get it. But when man is wise in his own eyes and only understands from his own intellect and only understands from his own comprehension, he cannot see the actual truth. He sees a polluted truth. And yet you said yes to Jesus because you are more like the fisherman than the council. And you said, yep. And then once you did, isn't it amazing how once you did say yes, all of a sudden you could see things you never saw before and you can have some spiritual insights that you never picked up on before. And all of a sudden you can understand things at these different frames and these different levels and these different spiritual um, uh, existences or planes. And you're like, I understand that. I get this now. Oh, this is spiritual here. I get this here. All because you and me in our state, in that initiative, dumb as we are, we're just willing to say yes to God. And then off came the blinders. And it's like, oh, now I see. All right? Now I see. Just think of that. Because now you see. We'll take a break and come back. You're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. What is the David Spoon Experience? All right. Psalm 46, verse 1 through 3. This was the first... A uh, psalm that was read to me when I went to a Bible college, the very first class I ever took in Bible college, a bazillion years ago. Let me just say that. Psalm 46, 1 through 3. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their suffering. Here is something to consider that will be just absolutely a mind blower. How should you and I respond if the earth falls out of its rotation? (laughs) Okay, so so my uh, brother-in-law works for JPL and is actually one of the people that helped write the program that helped land the Mars rover on Mars. He helped write the computer programming, okay? He's much smarter than me in those realms, Okay, about my age, a little younger, about my age. Very, very intelligent guy, right? And uh, he's the one I always make a joke, you know, what 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 keeps the earth, you know, rotating. And so you'll hear me say uh, that it's on a perfect 23 and a half degree, uh, you know, 
a rotation uh, from the moon and from the, the exact rotation from the sun, or it's three mice chasing a piece of cheese in a wheel. <laughs> One of those two. So uh, the idea behind that and that whole story is the Earth is in this absolutely perfect rotation with, uh, with uh, the moon and the sun, and without it, the Earth would go through a free fall. Just even a half a degree off, it's over. It's all over. I mean, the, 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 there would be instant tidal waves. Everything would just be upside down. And if that ever happened, you know, you would know that's the end, although that's not how the end's going to happen. We already know from Scripture. But here's what the, the psalmist is saying. It doesn't matter how bad it gets. It doesn't matter if your world seems like it's upside down. It doesn't matter if it's out of rotation. It doesn't matter if there, the mountains fall into the sea. It doesn't, doesn't matter if the waters roar. God is a refuge, and a refuge is a shelter in a storm. You would first think of a lean-to. That is what a, a shelter in a storm is. So when it's raining, you find a lean-to, you put something on a tree, you put it uh, you know, against something else, and you get under it so you're away from that. And it says that God is a refuge, a strength, an ever-present help, which means he's helpful today, not just when it's all settled in eternity. And there's that lies a problem for some Christians is they keep thinking, well, in the sweet by and by, everything will get worked out. Well, that is true, that everything will be completely worked out in the sweet by and by. But God is an ever-present help, which means for today and not just for tomorrow. And then the position of the psalmist is, therefore, 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 in other words, it's a conclusion. So God is our refuge and strength, okay? So he's our lean-to in a storm. He's our ever-present help. Therefore, I don't have to be afraid. The David Spoon Experience. You're here when I need you the most. When I need you the most. Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Big shout out to Kirk, who's one of our listeners. Texan on a regular basis just found out he had his fifth great-grandchild. Wow. He said it's a boy. Wow. Congratulations, sir. We think that's fantastic. We have a little applause thingy on there that we can just give him for, I mean, a fifth grade. Hey, 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 hey. Hey. Now, now, he had something to do with it, but not like in this really most immediate part. So let's just, you know, <laughs> congratulations and then kind of leave it there. Uh, did I do the intro? I don't even know what I did. I did the intro, right? Did you? Yeah. Did we do the K-A-A-M, A-A-A-Men thing? I don't remember that. Just in case you want to know, just in case you're wondering whether I know what I'm doing all the time, I don't and I'm not. <laughs> so I'm not and I don't. Here's our next trivia question. There we go. That's how you get out of it. What We just did the longest book of the Bible. What is the shortest book in the Bible? There's 66 books. We did the longest. What's the shortest? Okay. All right. Shortest. Shortest. Shortest book in the Bible. Okay. Just do it, leave it there. Uh, all right. Uh, we got to do history, right? We'll do history, and then I'll get back to this. And I'm going to share a little bit personally. It's kind of going to be weird. Okay. But I hope it's not too weird. All right. Uh, ready? Uh, go ahead. Let's go live in the past. Let's go live in the past. All right. Uh, today is National Dessert Day. I don't know how you could go wrong with that, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter what you're having. If there's dessert, I'm still there, right? If you said National Brussels Sprouts Day, you know. I know, I've had this conversation before. People texting, I make really great Brussels sprouts. I understand. 
but I have a hard time with a piece of a, a vegetable that's been shrunk from the head of a lettuce. Anyway, that's how I look at it. National Dessert Day. It's also National Take Your Parents to Lunch Day. Really? <laughs> really? I would think your parents would take you to lunch, but yeah, what do I know? And then uh, it's Take Your Teddy Bear to Work Day. Where's your teddy bear? I don't have one. <laughs> She's working over at... <laughs> She's working over at the Tom Thumb over there in uh, Rowlett. Uh, on this day in 1926, and this is why it is National Teddy Bear Day, and in 1926, the children's book Winnie the Pooh was first published. Some people are like, well, he had this kind of philosophy. Oh, man, it's a book about a bear. You know? I mean, I do get I do get really, you know, you know I'll watch shows, and they'll say things, like, on the show, okay? Uh, and you know it's wrong, but then people will get super offended, like, I can't believe that they do that. And it's just like, okay. It's, <laughs> it's a bear. He liked honey. Okay. I got it. Uh, let's see. Uh, 1964, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. Most people don't even know what he was, had his doctorate in. See, these are the kind of things nobody's, what does he have his doctorate? If you ask that to 99.999 percent of the people that claim that he's their hero, they'd go, huh? Systematic theology, for those that want to know. Ha <laughs> ha, that's right. And then uh, 1968 on this day, James Hines is the first man to break the 10-second barrier in the 100 meters. Yeah, that's history. There you go. All right, now, uh, the one thing I'm going to do is going to ask Kirk to do me a favor. He did give me an answer on a text in here. I want him to compare that with the book next door. And uh, just so I, I want to make sure that he, because I'm going to have to give the right answer. <laughs> I'm just telling you people. Okay. Uh, and I hope this book has the right answer because I'm going to do off of what the book says because I can't look right now. I want to go back to this. And I want to tell you about this because this is a, a kind of a personalized moment here. And I want to share it with you because I think sometimes it's good to know, you know, the, the ups and the downs and the conflicts. So I, uh, when I first became a Christian, uh, on fire for the Lord, in fact, I think uh, for me, in the very beginning of my Christianity, Bible college was not good. Uh, we were much more um, evangelistical, my brother and I, and uh, Bruce, uh, which was my brother's best friend, and Larry, which is a relative of Bruce's, the four of us, four Jews from Detroit who all became Christians within 30 days of one another in Phoenix, Arizona. So we all lived in Detroit. Uh, only a couple of miles away from each other. Then with the families moved to Arizona, okay? And then within 30 days of one another, we all became Christians. And then we became the Four Musketeers, and we were uh, well-known in Arizona for causing certain problems. Uh, we had a good relationship with some of the uh, pastors like Tommy Barnett uh, of Phoenix First Assembly, and, uh, in fact, his son sold my mom her house. So, I mean, it was, you know, we had these uh, wonderful uh, connections and so on and so forth. But we were radical, so we would go, and we'd go down to Van Buren. And back in 70, uh, 77 and 78, Van Buren in Phoenix, Arizona, was not what it is now. Now it's all clean and everything. Back then, that's where you went for drugs and prostitution. It's not complex. And we would witness to the prostitutes, and then the pimps would show us their guns and say, we're going to, and then I can't say what the rest of it was. but And we'd be like, Jesus loves you! You can be saved. You know, we'd be screaming back. But we were the four of us were together. I probably helped that there was a foursome, you know, versus just one person or something like that. So anyway, I was always uh, anti-educational. Now, the reason that I say it that way is because um, I never at any point 
or, or at any point believed that a person needed a certain level of education to be used by God specifically because of this passage that we're dealing with here in Acts. So the Acts passage is you've got these two fishermen who are fishermen. I'm not trying to belittle fishermen, but you've got the, the, the fishermen versus the academics, and, and the quite frankly, the reality check in this whole story is that Peter and John won this argument. And they weren't even intellectual, but they won because the power of God was behind them. And so I've always, stand, I've always stood by and will always maintain that the power of God, the kingdom of God, the spirit of God is greater than anything that man can accomplish. And with that, I don't want you to think that I'm anti-education, which I guess most of you would probably understand by now, that you know I'm finishing off, I finished off all my schoolwork, and I am in my final project, well, I'm supposed to be in my final project starting in about a week and a half. Uh, I've gotten uh, you know, pretty good grades throughout the whole process. I'm a 4.0 student. Uh, so every part of my education came from when I was 50 years old. I What I did was I did a couple of classes when I was younger, didn't do anything, and went back to school when I was, uh, in my, when I was 50. <laughs> this has been so weird, right? Uh, so 30 years after ministry. Then the Lord told me to go back to school, and I was like, what? <laughs> I don't want to go to school. I hated school, and I was terrible at it, by the way, just to let you know. And then the Lord has used it to edu- educate me and teach me in a lot of different things and probably just to make me a little more uh, a little more knowledgeable in certain arenas. But I was, I was anti-education almost from a pride point of view. And that, I think, is what God doesn't. God doesn't like that part of it. It's one thing to be somebody who follows the kingdom and be very uh, connected to the influence of the Holy Spirit, be very in-depth in the Word, and to be a minister. But uh, you can't use that in pride against people who are uh, who have gone through certain levels of education. You just want to be able to make sure that you don't think your education is more important than God's influence or God's Spirit. And I think the Lord's kind of changed me in some of that. Uh, he's taking me to Acts 7.22, where it says Moses was learning all the things of the Egyptian, and Daniel chapter 1, where Daniel was supposed to learn all the ways uh, of the Babylonian uh, culture. The idea behind this is to understand that education in and of itself is not bad. It's good. It can be a really good thing, very powerful. Uh, some people think the answer to life is in education. That's stupid. It's not. But there is nothing more powerful than God's testimony and seeing it, and being unable to deny it. There is no educational argument, there is no human wisdom argument that is more powerful than the outpouring of the Spirit and God working. I said all that to say this. Education is a great thing and can be a great tool, something used by God, and many of the people that listen to our audience are are highly educated, and many people have uh, only, uh, some haven't even gotten through high school. That's fine. God can and will and loves to use all of us. It's all about our willingness to be used, not about to a certain level by which we attain. Never think that you are deserved. You have earned it. You are worthy of it. You, uh, you, you have stepped up to it. All of that's rubbish. How you draw in... 
and get active in the kingdom of God is by drawing in to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The way that you get involved in ministry is you draw closer to the Lord, and the Lord will use you to minister to other people and to bless other people. It doesn't mean education is bad. It doesn't mean it's an it's a evil or dark thing or something like that, although for some people I think it can turn out that way. But it should be understood that as best as you can grasp this portion right here in Acts chapter 4, the academics lost and the fishermen won. And you want to know why? The next time I teach on this next week, I'm going to spend the whole time on this one verse. It's because they spent time with Jesus. That's why they won. And those people were so mad. <laughs> they were like, shut up. Don't speak. And they're like, yeah, we're not going to do that. <laughs> it's like, no, you're ruining everything. Like, yeah, tough. <laughs> Too bad. The idea behind this is pretty straightforward. Spend time with Jesus. You'll be the minister you need to be. If he brings you through an educational process, that's great. Fantastic. If he doesn't, that's great. Fantastic. None of those are dependent. It's your dependence, your dependence upon him. Okay? That is what it's all about. All right? Okay. All right. The trivia question. Uh, the real answer is third John or second John. And I'm going to discuss that tomorrow just so that we can have that final answer. But it's either third John or second John. Most people think it's third John. I'll just let you know that right now. All right, folks. You've been listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas, taking a 22 and a half hour break. Then we'll be back. More insanity with Spoonanity. Talk to you then. The views expressed on the preceding program were those of the speakers and not necessarily those of KAAM, DJRD Broadcasting, or its sponsors.